Hello and thanks for being with us on Search for Truth. Our Bible teacher Brian continues with the series on Christian integrity with talk number four. It's called A Love That's Real. Even by the world's standard, something genuine is more highly prized than an imitation. Gold, silver and diamonds can be fake, but there are tests available to prove authenticity. But what about love? Brian, tell us more, please. All right then, John. I remember hearing about a time when a room full of people was asked what was the most important question. Finally, one man thoughtfully replied, the most important thing to know is, am I loved? He explained his thinking like this. He said, if the answer was no, then none of life's accomplishments really mattered. But if the answer was yes, meaning we knew we were loved, then we could endure great ordeals and hardships. There's a lot of truth in that. We've been designed with a capacity to give and to receive love. We've been designed to be in a web of supportive relationships. It's when a man's progress at the office comes at the expense of his family life that he discovers, often sadly too late, that relationships matter more than achievements. On that tragic day, the 11th of September, 2001, there are many records of the last phone transmissions from people in the doomed Twin Towers or from those captive in the planes that were being flown as lethal weapons into those towers in that sickening act of terrorism. None of these final messages inquired about the size of one's bank balance or if promotion was imminent. Three words spoken in every message were, I love you. As I travel around, I often get asked the question, why did God allow sin to enter his perfect creation? My answer invariably is that God could certainly have avoided it had he so chosen. He could have created an assembly line of beings who were incapable of making wrong moral choices, a robotic race that could do nothing but love him, and so they'd love God forever, simply because they'd no other choice but to do so. But how meaningful is that? The man who spoke earlier about knowing we are loved as the most important thing wasn't thinking about a forced kind of love. Love is all about choices. People need to know the love they experience is real, as the following story shows. Six minutes to six, said the great round clock over the information booth in Grand Central Station. The tall young army lieutenant, who had just come from the direction of the tracks, lifted his sunburned face and narrowed his eyes to note the exact time. His heart was pounding with a beat that shocked him because he couldn't control it. In six minutes, he would see the woman who'd filled such a special place in his life for the past 13 months, the woman he'd never seen yet, yet whose written words had sustained him. Five minutes to six. He placed himself as close as he could to the information booth. Lieutenant Blandford remembered one night in particular, in the worst of the fighting, when his plane had been caught in the midst of a pack of zeros, he had seen the grinning face of one of the enemy pilots. In one of his letters, he'd confessed to her that he often felt fear, and only a few days before this battle, he'd received her answer, Of course you fear, all brave men do. Didn't King David know fear? That's why he wrote the 23rd Psalm. Next time you doubt yourself, I want you to hear my voice reciting to you, 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. And he'd remembered. He'd heard her imagined voice, and it had renewed his strength and skill. Now he was going to hear her real voice. Four minutes to six. His face grew sharp. Under the immense, starred roof, people were walking fast, like threads of colour being woven into a grey web. A girl passed close to him, and Lieutenant Blantford started. She was wearing a red flower in her suit lapel, but it was a crimson-sweet pea, not the little red rose they had agreed upon as a special sign of identification. Besides, this girl was too young, about eighteen, whereas Hollis Maynell had frankly told him she was thirty. "'Well, what of it?' he had answered. "'I'm thirty-two. He was really only twenty-nine. Three minutes to six. His mind went back to that book, the one book out of the hundreds of army library books sent to the Florida training camp. Of human bondage it was, and throughout the book were notes in a woman's writing. He'd always hated that writing in habit, but these remarks were different. He'd never believed that a woman could see into a man's heart so tenderly, so understandingly. Her name was on the book plate, Hollis Maynell. He'd got hold of a New York City telephone book and found her address. He'd written. She'd answered. Next day he'd been shipped out, but they'd gone on writing. Two minutes to six. For thirteen months she'd faithfully replied, and more than replied. When his letters didn't arrive, she wrote anyway, and now he believed that he loved her, and she loved him. But she'd refused all his pleas to send him her photograph. She'd explained... If your feeling for me has any reality, any honest basis, what I look like won't matter. Suppose I'm beautiful. I'd always be haunted by the feeling that you had been taking a chance on just that, and that kind of love would disgust me. Suppose I'm plain, and you must admit that's more likely. Then I'd always fear that you were going on writing to me only because you were lonely and had no one else. No, don't ask for my picture. When you come to New York... You'll see me, and then you'll make your decision. Remember, both of us are free to stop or to go on after that, whichever we choose. One minute to six. Lieutenant Blanford's heart leaped higher than his plane had ever done. A young woman was coming towards him. Her figure was long and slim. Her blonde hair lay in curls from her delicate ears. Her eyes were blue as flowers. In her pale green suit, she was like springtime come alive. He started towards her entirely forgetting to notice that she was wearing no rose. And as he moved, a small, provocative smile curved her lips. "'Going my way, soldier?' she murmured. Uncontrollably, he made one step closer to her. Then he saw Hollis Maynell. She was standing almost directly behind the girl, a woman well past forty, her greying hair tucked under a worn hat. She was more than plump, her thick-ankled feet were thrust into low-heeled shoes, but she wore a rose, a red rose, in the rumpled lapel of her brown coat. The girl in the green suit was walking quickly away. Blandford felt as though he was being split in two. So keen was his desire to follow the girl, yet so deep was his longing for the woman whose spirit had truly companioned and upheld his own. And there she stood. Her pale, plump face was gentle, but sensible. He could see that now. Her grey eyes had a warm, kindly twinkle. 
Lieutenant Blantford did not hesitate. His fingers gripped the small, warm, blue leather copy of, of Human Bondage, which was to identify him to her. This wouldn't be love, but it would be something precious, something perhaps even rarer than love, a friendship for which he'd been and must ever be grateful. He squared his broad shoulders, saluted, and held the book out toward the woman, although even while he spoke he felt shocked by the bitterness of his disappointment. I'm Lieutenant John Blantford, and you, you are Miss Maynell. I'm so glad you could meet me. May, may I take you to dinner? The woman's face broadened in a tolerant smile. I don't know what this is all about, son, she answered. That young lady in the green suit, the one who just went by, begged me to wear this rose on my coat, and she said that if you asked me to go out with you, I should tell you that she's waiting for you in that big restaurant across the street. She said it was some kind of test. I've got two boys serving in the Air Force, so I didn't mind to oblige you. God's love is for real. God's actions at the cross prove that. But what about our love for him in response? Even as Christians, our love for the Lord might not even match the calibre of John Blantford's love for Miss Maynell. And it matters to the Lord. Three times he probes the depth and sincerity of the love of his followers in the space of a few verses in John 14. In verse 15 he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The old hymn says, Trust and obey, for it's the only way. It's the sure way of showing our love for the Lord. If we don't live true to the word of God, then the love we profess for the Lord is suspect. And this is a theme the Lord returns to again in verse 21 when he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. The rewards of loving the Lord are mentioned. They are to be loved by the Father in a special way and to receive an enhanced disclosure of the Lord himself. In John 16 and 27, the Lord again says, The Father himself loves you because you have loved me. So often here the Father's love for us is bound to our love for the Lord. For the third time in the space of a few verses in John 14, the Lord speaks like this when he says, If anyone loves me, this is verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Again, love for the Lord is evidenced by obeying the word, the things that we find in the Bible. Far from despising, faithfully following God's word and all that it plainly teaches us, as if it was some technical thing rather than anything spiritual, this is, in fact, the plainest revealed way of showing true heart devotion to Christ. Perhaps, The Lord's challenge to us today is the same simple but profound challenge which he put three times to Peter when he asked, Do you love me? Do you truly love me? When we choose to obey and to live biblically, we prove that our love for the Lord is real and that matters to him. It matters to him very much indeed, as the repeated emphasis of John chapter 14 shows. Shepherd, I'll not want. He 
Now we've a free booklet to accompany this series. If you'd like us to send you one, ask for the title "No Compromise," and you can contact us by email or by post. And here's the address: Search for Truth, Church of God, Leicester, LE five six LN UK. The email address is sft at churchesofgod dot info. You can also find some past programs and helpful material on our website. It's www.searchfortruth.org.uk. So it's been a pleasure to have your company today. I hope you enjoyed the talk. And until next time, it's our very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our singers Angela and David, and me John. Goodbye for now, and may God richly bless you. And though I walk.